0: The opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management.
1: Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and welcome to Episode 64 of the Pennsylvania Project. As you may know here at the Pennsylvania Project, our vision is a better Pennsylvania. To achieve that vision, our mission is to boldly showcase the political, cultural, and environmental challenges facing contemporary Pennsylvania and to relentlessly, vigorously, and methodically pursue correct solutions. But more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem. That's assuming you know what the problem actually is, but I digress. We have an oxymoronic episode planned for today. And like all episodes of The Pennsylvania Project, it's divided into three parts, you, them, and me. Part one is all about you, your questions, your opinions, your solutions, your whatevers. And rather than a call-in format, we utilize an email-in format. So if you have something to say, you can always drop us a line at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Today for the You part, we have our latest regular feature, Unscripted Cohorts, plus a follow-up on Cohort Glenn's use of the word insurrection back in episode 62. And if there's time, a follow-up about black reparations. After the you part comes part two, the them part, where each episode we host a guest to help showcase the political, cultural, and or environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. Today's guest is all political and all oxymoronic. He's Stephen Bernays, a libertarian tax collector. (laughs) I told you it would be oxymoronic. After that comes the me portion of the Pennsylvania Project, where it will be my turn, your caster, Ken Krawchuk. I'll be focusing on some particular issue that really sticks in my craw. Today, I'll be ranting about email. Yep. And throughout the show, as is our long-established custom, we'll be featuring a Pennsylvania Toastmaster to serve as narrator to read our live commercials. Today, we have David Zaza. Did I get it right? Zezza. Zezza, I got it right. All right. Past president of the Cerner Toastmasters Club in Malvern, Pennsylvania, and a past Toastmasters area director. Welcome to the Pennsylvania Project, David. Thanks a lot, Ken. Happy to be here. Yeah. You were at my contest, international speech contest a few weeks ago that I lost. I was. Yes. You know, I have to ask you a question. Sure. What do you like about Toastmasters?
2: I love the ability to network with uh, just a really diverse, great group of people helping them develop their leadership and communication skills.
1: hmm You know, I always ask everybody that and nobody knows that question's coming.
3: <laughs> Surprise.
1: Yes.
2: Hope I passed.
1: <laughs> well, you can't fail. That's the nice thing about Toastmasters. You never can fail, you, just next time you do better.
2: True. Very
1: supportive. Fortunately, we have with us a second Toastmaster, according to another one of our ancient customs, to read and help respond to whatever comes into our mailbag and join in on discussions with our guest, it's a role that we call cohort and today's cohort is making her seventh and oh possibly God. last appearance. No, I hope not. not uh, last. On the Pennsylvania Project. <laughs> <laughs> She's the past president of the ETS Toastmasters in Princeton, Margaret Sassuni.
3: Hello, hi everyone.
1: Welcome back to the Thank Pennsylvania you. Project. I
3: feel like I'm on an episode of Cheers. <laughs> everyone knows your name, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know. You know, it's funny my wife is binging on that right now. Yeah, Cheers. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I've, I've only seen one episode Great. ever. But oh my God. Back when it was still on network television?
3: It's amazing. I love that. Love I love that show.
1: I haven't watched TV since 1975, June 6th to oh. be precise. Okay. <laughs> and this one guy says, Oh, you've got to watch Cheers. It's great. You it's great. Yeah, Cheers. It was stupid. It was the first episode was stupid? No, it wasn't the first episode. The episode where some guy thought this girl liked him, or the girl thought the guy liked him, or Versa Visa. I and I saw this on I Love Lucy when I was a little kid.
3: Yeah, you yeah. got to give it another chance. Yeah,
1: I don't know. I don't give any TV another chance.
3: But thanks for having me back. You're a real? lot more cars out on the road than I know. the last time I was here. So I, know. I guess things are going back to normal.
1: Uh, it's about time. Past yeah. time. Yeah. I mentioned before that I heard some famous commentator. Who was it? Trucker? Tucker? Somebody like that. He, he said the exact same thing I've been saying for months now. That the places that didn't shut down have the same sickness rates as the places that did shut mm. down. So there's absolutely no, necess- no necessity to shut down anything, but don't get me started. Yeah, we're let's not, not go that route. We're not gonna go there. So, you're not coming back? Where are you going?
3: Uh, Well, you know, um, I got a severance package, and I feel like I'm retired, so I'm gonna go to Florida.
1: <laughs> wow, well, maybe we'll get you on as a guest. Tell yeah. us what it's like well, to be retired.
3: I, you know, it feels great. I feel like a whole um, rock has been lifted off my shoulder. I sleep well, and just, the days go by like lazy summers are supposed to. Wow!
1: Just, well, I, this if, is
3: what it's like when I really go on retirement. Uh huh. I'm not of retirement age, but I could I could dig it. <laughs>
1: Get used to it. It's yeah, fun. I love it. All right, let's move on. You brought a question, I hope.
3: Yeah, I guess the question. Uh, there's so many things I want to ask you, but I guess it's going to revolve or the or the theme for today's caller, I, I guess, is. Um, Or, I guess I should say, is if you could live anywhere else in the country that would have lower taxes, where would you go? Like, would you go to Louisiana? Would you go to Delaware? Like, where else would you live in the country if you had a choice?
1: Well, I think it's not so much a question of taxes, that's a secondary concern. There's a cost of living issue. Cost of living,
3: property taxes, taxes in general.
1: Now, I've only been in maybe forty two or forty three states.
3: Oh, it's a lot more than I've been to
1: yes, yeah, so I haven't seen them all, but I've been all around the country. The ones I'm missing are all the ones in the middle, like Oklahoma and Nebraska and all those dull mm-hmm. great places but based
3: states. on the the states that you've been to, where would you like go There's there's an or would you move because to save on taxes or pay lower taxes
1: well there there'd be several things that I would move for, for example, I thought of joining SpaceX. I would oh. love to join SpaceX. Oh. And the wife and I seriously discussed it. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is, first of all, it's California. Yeah. It's the left coast. Mm-hmm. And people like there are very, very, very diff- different from here. Yeah. I could tell you stories about how different. I mean, I've, I'm a North Philly boy, and yeah. that's a different mindset yeah. than a La Jolla person. Yeah. But the vibe's I'd,
3: different there. Yeah. For sure.
1: And also, I'd have to give up everything because SpaceX is a 24 7 career. So I, I jettisoned it for that. But when I move for something else, I've been around, I've seen, I've been up and down the East Coast multiple times. I've been to Canada, I've been in North Ontario, mm-hmm. Algonquin Provincial Park, which is beautiful. I saw the Milky Way reflected off of a lake. I mean, it's just gorgeous. Wow! Wife and I, uh, last uh, December, we did a, an Amtrak tour of the United States. Oh. Across the top to Seattle. Spent mm-hmm. a couple of days with our daughter, grandchild, her mm-hmm. husband. And uh, then down to L.A. Mm-hmm. on the train, right down the coast, beautiful. Mm-hmm. And we spent a couple of days in L.A. I got a tour of SpaceX. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was yeah, a, yeah. We got a picture taken in front of a Falcon 9. That was a high point in my life. Mm-hmm. Took the train from there over to New Orleans. Spent a couple of days, we had a balcony room on Bourbon Street. New Orleans? Yeah. Nola. For, oh, great.
3: Low taxes there.
1: Yeah, And then, <laughs> then took the train up to Philadelphia. And oh. it's like, I think it was like 12 nights on the train. Wow. The whole thing. Yeah, it was a blast and a half. So, we got to see the whole country. It's like
3: the Orient Express.
1: I guess <laughs> I've never I've never been off the never been across the pond. And we've done tours, I mean, cruises and stuff, so mm-hmm. we've we've been around. So, mm-hmm. I've seen a lot. So, I yeah. I have a I tell you all that cuz I just want to let you know that I have a basis yeah for what I'm going to say. Okay. And there's absolutely no reason at all why I would ever ever think of leaving Pennsylvania. Wow, okay. Pennsylvania is That's stunningly beautiful. We've mm-hmm. got the mountains, we've got the lakes, we've got the flatlands, we've got the forests, the pine forests. Mm-hmm. We have an our international border. One of the high points of the, matter of fact, the high point of my 2002 campaign for governor, we were camped on the sands of Lake Erie. Tent mm-hmm. right there. The Erie, Erie Times sent a photographer to take a picture of the wife and I sitting mm-hmm. on the sands of Lake Erie with our tent in the background. You watch the sun set sparkling over Lake Erie. There's absolutely nothing, nothing prettier than Pennsylvania. And in the fall, mm-hmm. when I was campaigning, we camped all over Pennsylvania. Yeah. And there's a triangle, I guess it's between Easton, Hazleton, and Scranton. Mm-hmm. Inside, it's stunningly beautiful. The yeah. colors are like nothing else. Yeah. And the prettiest highway in Pennsylvania is US 15, north out of Harrisburg, well, when you get past Williamsport, you gotta get past Williamsport. From Williamsport up to the New York state line, Stunningly gorgeous. There is no state that comes close to that. Wow. The okay. big the big mountains are too big. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't, I don't care. Pennsylvania's taxes are good. They're uniform here. Mm-hmm. It's just if there's a good tax, right? Yeah. Legalized <laughs> theft. That's a good question. No, but, I'd never leave no, Pennsylvania. good to know. I'd I might cons- move here. I'd never Pennsylvania. consider leaving Pennsylvania. Yeah. I would consider le- leaving the Delaware Valley and move up into the mountains mm. so far that we can't yeah. be found.
3: <laughs> you are a yeah. loner a little bit. A
1: bit. No, I just, just like eat. being outside.
3: Antisocial. Yep. social
1: <laughs> we're, we're not going to get to Bernie's question. No, we're reparations. Not. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't started. know it was going to be a lengthy question. <laughs> no, man. You, you touched my heart. But I've been no. all over the country. I've been in. I've been around the country. I've been in Canada. I haven't huh. been to Alaska yet. Too, mm,
3: too, Alaska. Too cold. Yeah. Too cold. Too yeah, hot. Okay. Actually, gets hot up there in the summer. Does it? Too far away. Too many bears.
1: Leave me. <laughs> but you, you got those in Pennsylvania too. <laughs> That's true. All right. What, what you got? All right. You so I, our
3: email. You want you want me to read it? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Comes you have from, to. From uh, Bernie McCann from El- Elwood City, Pennsylvania.
1: Our buddy Bernie.
3: All right. Let's see what he says. He says your remote cohort Glenn in episode sixty two was way off base about impact of Trump's use of the word insurrection. Oh yeah. For a minute there i swore i was listening to art bell <laughs> property owners are covered by acts committed during the protests the word insurrection only applies to acts of war as far as personal or commercial property insurance goes the man sounded like a conspiracy theorist with all the follow the money stuff
1: yeah bernie i'll tell you right off the top i agree in fact i was taken aback by his question just like margaret you asked me a question about the you know, where else would I move? Yeah. That was Glenn's question. Hmm. He started going on, he says, what do you think about Trump saying about his insurrection because now that triggers all sorts of insurance coverage and now the insurance companies don't have to cover anything because it's insurrection. It's like, well, first off, like Glenn, this has nothing to do with Pennsylvania. We are the Pennsylvania Project, right? And after, that was his third appearance in the Pennsylvania Project, you think by now he, he'd know better. And that's what he did. Episode 62, he mentioned how Trump triggered off by saying insurrection. He told the insurance companies they were off the hook for all the George Floyd riots. I'm not sure where he got that idea. Alex Jones, I'm guessing. That sounds like an Alex Jonesy thing. But as Bernie says, it's, it's just simply not true. Now, I'm an amateur lawyer. I like to go play around in the courts and stuff like that. So I took a look at the whole legal issue. Pulled out my Black's Law Dictionary and I took a look. An insurrection is, quote, a violent revolution against an oppressive authority, usually a government. Insurrection is distinguished from rout, riot, and offense connected with mob violence by the fact that with insurrection, there is an organized and armed uprising against authority or operations of government. While crimes growing out of mob violence, however serious they may be and however numerous the participants, they are simply unlawful acts in disturbance of the peace which do not threaten the stability of the government or the existence of political society." Unquote. So from that, it's pretty obvious, as Bernie says, that the rioters are not an organized armed uprising intent on overthrowing the government. They're just regular people searching for justice within the structure of the government. And I agree with them completely, by the way. Now, bottom line here is that Trump's mentioned the Insurrection Act triggers nothing. And I want to say publicly, I distance myself from Glenn's misstatements and I think I'll choose to solve the correct problem by thinking twice before we invite him back for a fourth appearance.
3: All right.
1: So, you're all talk. What do you think of all that?
3: Uh, moving you? on to Bernie's. <laughs> <laughs> do we have enough time for Bernie's questions? No I, no, let's see. I don't, do I don't think Do we squeeze it in? No. I
1: don't think right. so. We've only got about a minute before the commercial break. All so, right. you have no opinion about the? No. No. <laughs> And, and we just just for the base for the benefit of our listeners, we don't go outside of Pennsylvania. Yeah, we are the only talk radio show that I'm aware of that focuses exclusively on Pennsylvania. And yeah. I mean, it's rare. Somebody got me. Uh, my producer Mark picked on me for this. I guess it was about a month ago. Somebody got me. They asked me a question about Elon Musk and SpaceX. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Wait a minute, that's
3: not Pennsylvania." Yeah. Oh, okay. So, well, all right. At uh, least they're listening. They're paying attention, huh? That's true. Somebody is. All right. It was a trick and test.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You passed. Yes, could be. Yeah. All right. Well, on that disavowment, that's going to have to do it for the you portion of episode 64 of the Pennsylvania Project. We're going to pause for this information. And when we return, we'll be meeting with today's oxymoronic guest, libertarian tax collector Stephen Bernays.
4: Did you hear the latest news? Almost two-thirds of all federal spending now goes to pay for the welfare state. More than $2.2 trillion, which just about equals federal income. Do you realize what that means? Virtually all tax revenue is now being consumed by the welfare state. But how do we rein in that runaway spending before it destroys America? The answer? The separation of society and state. That's the premise of the new novel, Atlas Snubbed*, an unsanctioned parody sequel to Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Snubbed presents a workable alternative to the welfare state as we know it. Atlas Snubbed expertly extends Rand's epic story of a looter's world snubbed by the men of the mind, bringing to life a crumbling post-apocalyptic world where no one need ask who is John Galt, because now they know. Atlas Snubbed, available at all online bookstores or through atlassnubbed.com. Read it today before it's too late.
2: Here's an interesting question. What do you think of these three ideas? Number one, people have at all times an inalienable right to alter, reform, or abolish their government as they think proper. Number two, juries shall have the right to determine the law as well as the facts. Number three, the right of the citizens to bear arms in defense of themselves and the state shall not be questioned. Those words sound like they're taken from a Hollywood political thriller. Well, they're not. They're all direct quotes from Article 1 of the Pennsylvania Constitution. Everyone's heard of the United States Constitution, but have you ever heard of the Pennsylvania Constitution? Have you ever read it? Most importantly, was it ever taught to you in school? If you're like virtually all Pennsylvanians, the answers are likely to be no, no, and no. It's long past time we change those answers to yes, yes, and yes. And you have a crucial part to play in making that come to pass. As you know, We here at the Pennsylvania Project are all about solutions. So we've authored a petition demanding that the Pennsylvania Constitution be taught to our children. If you believe it's important for our children to know how our state government works, head over to our website, PennsylvaniaProject.com and add your name to the growing list of signers. Every time we accumulate another batch of signatures, we'll send a copy of the petition to the governor, the Pennsylvania Board of Education, and each and every one of the 501 school districts in Pennsylvania, asking them right now to start teaching our children the Pennsylvania Constitution. Please, sign the the petition at PennsylvaniaProject.com. The alternative is yet another generation that has never heard of, let alone read, the Pennsylvania Constitution. And people wonder why no one votes anymore.
1: Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and welcome to the them portion of episode 64 of the Pennsylvania Project, where we host a guest to help showcase the political, cultural, and or environmental, environmental, I can talk, issues, facing Pennsylvania. Today's guest is all political, not to mention oxymoronic. He's Stephen Bernays, libertarian tax collector in Shippensburg, Pennsylvania, just southwest of our nation's cap, our state's capital. And he's a lot of other things too. He's a Passboro Councilman, he's a member of the Shippensburg Planning Commission, their Historical Society, the Industrial Development Commission, the Water Authority, a food bank volunteer, and he's a recent past secretary of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. Welcome to the Pennsylvania Project, Stephen. Hi, Ken. <laughs> How's it going down there?
0: Pretty good, pretty good. How are you guys?
1: Oh, sober, wide awake, but the day <laughs> is still young. Well, that's good. I guess we gotta start at the top. A libertarian tax collector? Uh, We libertarians, we're the party of principle. We believe you have the right to live your life your way, provided you respect the rights and property of others. And that's it. And every law we support or oppose can be traced back to that principle. But if I'm taking your money out of your wallet under the threat of force, that sounds like it's a violation of libertarian principles.
0: Well, you you would you would think, and so the the reason I ran for tax collector was a very specific reason. So the borough that I live in, that I used to be on borough council in, um, we haven't had a tax collector for about a decade. Oh, no wait a minute. Are, happen-
1: you, are you going to step yeah. in there, right? A libertarian's going to fill the role that's been empty? <laughs> I'm picking no, on no, here. No, no,
0: no, no. <laughs> the libertarian is basically going to run so that somebody else doesn't run and cost the borough extra money because taxation is theft, but – an independent tax collector that charges a fee on top of the taxes to collect that they wouldn't need wouldn't need charged is additional theft.
4: Uh,
1: hmm. So you'd be receiver of stolen goods then in that case. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> He's not ashamed to admit it.
1: Uh-huh. So you ran? Yeah, so Yeah,
0: so so I ran. So what happened was, you know, after a decade of and being involved and, and a decade of us not having a tax collector, because everybody that's involved knows that we don't we don't elect one <laughs> Uh, because we have water, sewer, and trash in the borough. We have professional office staff that bill for those services. Their their fees are paid for by the fees for water, sewer, and trash. Uh, when I was on council, we eliminated four employees from the borough. We've eliminated as many people as we possibly can. And tax collection is just a small portion of what they do, um, and they're, they're professional staff. So somebody, um, and, and we when we found out what was really happening, Um, the vice chair of the Cumberland County Democratic Party suggested to this lady that she run for tax collector because nobody ever runs, and it would be an easy election for her to win, and then the Democrats could have an additional elected official. Uh, So myself and other people that were involved uh, reached out to this guy and reached out to um, the lady and said, hey, you know, you do realize we typically don't have anybody run for tax collector, even though it's a state-elected position, because we don't need one. And she was like, Well, I'm running to be tax collector. So I was like, Well, then I'm going to run against you with the understanding that I'm running to not be tax collector so we can <laughs> have the savings that we have.
1: <laughs> Stephen, that's outrageous. That's absolutely It is. It is. It is. What's a, what's, there was some apocryphal candidate who said, You know, if nominated, I will not run. And if elected, I will not serve.
0: Yeah, yeah and, and and literally, I mean, that, that was the thing. Like, for the entire time, so um... As i am a libertarian but I, I wanted to make sure that i created the impact that i did and I'm, i was a big believer you know me from back when we were involved in in stuff at the state party together that you know the reason we we get involved in politics and we do things is to create impact and i wanted to hedge my bet so to speak so even though i was a registered libertarian i was on a business trip during the primary last year and the republican party the voters in the republican party in my community Gave me their ballot spot through through a wow. write-in in the primary. Wow, and and so then I had to make a decision. I had to make the decision to accept <laughs> their write-in, or to you know reject their write-in and run as a libertarian. I made the decision to accept their write-in because of the reality of elections. Yeah, um, there's a certain portion that there's a certain portion of people that will only vote for uh, R or D, and there's a certain portion of people that will um, vote. Um, you know, straight ticket, and I didn't want to leave those votes on the table because it was that important to me that we end up saving thirty grand a year yeah. by not having the tax collector.
1: I was about to make that very point. You're not just leaving votes on the table; you're leaving in my calculations over thirty thousand dollars on the table because this person is going to take their cut off the top of the taxes. They're going to need office yeah. space and. I mean, right,
0: right. So, 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 basically, what ends up happening is, in any elected tax collector, and if you're in a super rural area where they don't have office staff, then the elected tax collector is the way to go because they basically they're collecting just a small amount of taxes. You don't have to pay any overhead. Um, but when you're a municipality that's collecting taxes for two different counties and you're collecting taxes for the school district, because Shippensburg is, um, you know, on the border of Franklin and Cumberland County. there's two different counties that are involved, and then the school district, Um, it it becomes this situation where you're collecting taxes for, you know, 6,000 people, and, you know, the amount that you charge comes off the top of it, and when you have professional staff, why not use them?
1: Amen. You know, so it's not so oxymoronic that you would want to run for... No, That's clear. No, no.
0: I mean, it, it, it was very logical whenever I reached out, whenever I was talking to people that I know. And, you know, because of the fact that I was on borough council, um, I was vice president of borough council when I was on council, and I'm involved in the historical society and involved in my church, and I've been involved in building an art center and all mm-hmm. sorts of stuff in Shippensburg. People know me. I, I yep. think the reality is. You know, had this been 10 years ago, and I said I was going to run for tax collector and not take the position, it might not have been quite as palatable. Uh-huh. But I, I think I think the reason that it was a success was because people knew that I knew what I was talking about. And they knew when I talked about this platform, not only that I knew what I was talking about, but that I had the ethics to back it up, and that this wasn't some kind of sham. Like, I did actually have one guy the whole time. He was like, yeah. well, what if, you know, after you after you get elected, you just decide to, you know, not follow through, and then you become the tax collector. And I said, "Well, that would sort of stand against everything that I basically yeah. promoted myself based on in the last eleven years."
1: Now, did, did anybody slam you for that, saying, "Why is this guy running for the position if he's not going to take it?" I mean, that- well,
0: so the, the the interesting thing is, is even though, so you had to make your case to the voters, and the entire time. Um, I made my case to the voters um, on Facebook. You know, I had I had individuals that I didn't that I knew, but that I really didn't even call that were out there like knocking on doors for me. Um, a lady that was a retired borough employee that, because she understood the the nature of how detrimental this could be for the borough, that she actually was out there knocking on doors, like telling people, "Hey, you need to vote for Steve." Wow. Um, and and so, but the time to make this case was to the voters prior to the November election, and so there were a couple of news articles, the Patriot News and then our local paper, did like, you know, big long questionnaires about why are you, you're running, um, what's <laughs> your background, and all this stuff. And uh, every single question that I answered, I was like, well, I'm running, even though I have the skill set that I would be able to do the job, I'm running so that we can continue allow the ladies in the office to do the job that they do excellently, and to save us $30,000. And uh, and the other lady was running because she wanted to be tax collector. So then after I won, um, and I won, I think it was like 578 to 315. Um, so it was like a 65 to 35 in a 50-50 area. Well, you know, like a 48-48, and we got like 4% libertarians registered in Shippensburg. Uh-huh. So, I mean, but it was, I mean, it was a, what you would be considered to be a landslide based on running to not be tax collectors. So then afterwards, <laughs> when the, paper, the local paper is doing the follow-up story... She called it. She called my my running to not take the office, even though the entire time I had campaigned based on that's what I was going to do. She said it was an abomination.
1: Oh, there you go.
0: Like that, it was an abomination, and that's what we should expect given the climate that Trump's created. So I've yeah. never been been compared to Trump at all, but somehow because I decided I wanted to, you know, run for office in order to allow, you know. A, a cost saving measure that exists yeah. in my community to continue to exist. It makes me that's wonder. An abomination.
1: It makes me wonder when she calls it an abomination, I and mean, that's a relative word. And I got this fluke yeah. in my brain whenever I hear a relative word, I always ask Ayn Rand's question by what standard? I mean yeah. If if she's looking yeah, for more power, if she's looking to waste taxpayer dollars, then yeah, your running is an abomination. How dare you? Well
0: and, and, and she she did in it say that, you know, that she didn't believe, you know, that she was she was gonna check into all this stuff because she yeah. didn't understand how it could possibly be a savings and you know, how it could be beneficial to the borough to not have a tax collector and and but all this could have been brought up prior to election day and, and that was really and, and the strangest thing about it was that we had reached out to her and and, and spent time reaching out to her different people, I never personally talked to her before the election. I mean, perhaps I could have done that, but other people that I trusted, that they had conversations with her and explained, like, you know, you really shouldn't be running for this office. Like, I even committed, you know, that that if she would basically take my platform, if she would commit to do the same thing I was doing, that it was just two people running for an office, both being placeholders for none of the above, that I wouldn't even bother campaigning. Like,
4: mm-hmm. I
0: wouldn't print signs, I wouldn't print literatures, I wouldn't show up to the polls on election day, because I have <laughs> more important stuff to do. And, 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 and imagine, Ted, if, if you told your wife that you were gonna print signs, because you know in, in a local election, you, you have to stay under $250. Right. And as long as you do that, then you basically you just file one paper and uh, say you're spending less than 250 So when you're spending $200 for signs, then another $30 for campaign literature for the day of the event, for an election that you're running for to not take. <laughs> is, uh, imagine what your wife would say in that situation.
1: She'd say, Hallelujah. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's been through three governor campaigns. Don't
3: you have enough on <laughs> your honeydo list, though?
0: <laughs> that, that is true. Your, your wife would probably react, but mine was like, That doesn't make sense. But the way I was looking at it is it was like a $250 donation that uh, got me more results than anything else. Yeah. I could donate money to the food kitchen. I could donate money to my church, I could donate money to an art center, or, or any type of nonprofit. profit that my wife and I support in Shippensburg, and I wouldn't have gotten a $30,000 a year, Seems, so literally for yeah. that $250, I got a $60,000, because it's a two-year seat, uh-huh. so it, it's a $60,000 return for a $250 oh. Um, investor. so
3: speaking of cost savings I know you guys have an incentive of people paying their taxes early on so do you you have a lot of people taking (coughs) advantage of that I I know it's not much I mean but $50 and I
0: don't
1: know because really I mean like even though I am the tax collector he's the tax collector he doesn't know
0: I
3: mean, I don't know I'm going to inquire about this.
1: I love
0: it. No, 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 no let, me, let me get to it, because what happened was, after the election, I just, the, the law requires the elected tax collector, after they get elected, to go be qualified. And this whole time, the plan was for me not to be qualified, <laughs> because the law allows that if the elected tax collector is not qualified, doesn't go take the training they're supposed to take from the PA, State Tax Collectors Association, then the borough the school district and the county can appoint can, can find another avenue to collect taxes and so out the whole time that was the plan that I wasn't going to go for my training that I would win the election I would be certified by both counties that I won the election because it's in two counties I would accept the position <laughs> but I wouldn't be qualified to accept the position so we would basically continue to have tax collection set up the way that it has been for the last decade, and so it really it, it required a little bit of paperwork by the by the um, by the borough and the and the and the school district and the counties to, to basically transfer the tax collection back to the organization that was supposed to continue to be um, collecting. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, I mean, really, I mean, I, I'm I'm the tax collector name only.
1: There you go. Huh. Stephen, I have to apologize. I'm just sitting here laughing. David's sitting across from me. He's laughing, too. This has to be the most outrageous story that I've ever heard in, uh, in a Libertarian Party. Yeah. You know, well done. Yeah. I'm your caster, Ken Krawchuk, and you're listening to episode 64 of The Pennsylvania Project. We'll be right back after this information with more from our guest, the Libertarian tax collector, Stephen Bernays.
2: Cast Your Cares is a family run nonprofit in Kensington serving hundreds of meals to the homeless and needy every Saturday. The community has come to appreciate and rely on the efforts of this great organization. Although Cast Your Cares is supported by many churches and organizations throughout the Philadelphia area, more help is needed. In these times of challenge and uncertainty, please consider offering a helping hand. More information is available on their website at castyourcares.org. That's castyourcares.org.
3: Hey, Margaret Sassouni here, cohort on the Pennsylvania Project. You know, it's easy to find a high-paying job, at least for some people it is. Employers are begging for competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. But do those words describe you? Competent leader communicates effectively? If not, or even if they do, you may want to consider joining Toastmasters! The mission of Toastmasters is to provide a supportive environment for learning, communications, and leadership skills. But does it really work? Hey, look at me! I joined Toastmasters and now I'm on the radio! Mm -hmm. So turn your life around like I have. Visit Toastmasters.org and contact a club near you. Visitors are always welcome and be sure to mention my name, Margaret Susuni. The future is anxiously awaiting competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. You can be that leader. It all starts at Toastmasters.org.
2: Are you a small business owner always looking for referrals? Do you have a streamlined approach to generating new referrals? Contact Stephen Worley. To learn the fast, easy way to generate new referrals, Stephen has an all inclusive system that will help you generate an extra five to ten customers per week without spending a single dollar on ads. You won't have to create a website, have pictures taken, or write a single ad. Stephen will take the headache out of the process. Contact him at StephenWorley.com. That's Stephen with dot Y.com. Governor Tom Wolf has been picking winners and losers by allowing corporations like Walmart to stay open, yet forcing small businesses to close. Now he's doing the same in politics. Wolf's Republican and Democrat buddies will appear on your ballot this November, but by executive order, he has excluded independents and third parties. The Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania doesn't think that this is right. That's why we're suing Governor Wolf in federal court. Please help us in our legal battle against those who would limit your choices in the voting booth. Visit our website, lppa.org, and click Donate. The Libertarian Party, the only political party that stands up for all of your freedoms all of the time. lppa.org. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here
1: again, and we are back with Episode 64 of The Pennsylvania Project and more of our oxymoronic guest, our Libertarian tax collector, Stephen Bernays. Stephen, a couple things you said before the break I wanted to come back to. The first one was nobody ever runs for that tax collector position. We libertarians are famous for that because a lot of times if there's nobody running, we encourage people to write their names in and I would just encourage our listeners, whether you're a libertarian or even a communist, doesn't matter, write your name in if you see there's nobody there. You could win with one vote, your very own, but we do that all the time. And I was I' was kind of surprised to see it actually okay oh,
0: and, and so and so yeah so so Ken, so on that. so I mean we have had some times where generally you know there's been somebody that that has been sort of the sacrificial lamb that would get like six or seven write in votes but then wouldn't accept the position uh-huh. um, basically that and and that would be normally what would happen is that nobody would be on the ballot in the in the primaries. and in November, somebody you know, either, you know, one of the, um, you know, ex borough council members or somebody that knew why it was beneficial in the borough not to have a tax collector um, that was part of, you know, the, the local community leadership would step up and do that. So this uh-huh. is literally the first time that we actually had somebody in the primary decide, hey, I'm going to try to mess this up. Uh-huh. And that's why we reached out to her to just verify like, hey, are you just doing this because you want to get a political win? And then you're going to understand the fact that we really don't need a tax collector like you're running for a position that really shouldn't be elected, yeah. but it is. Uh-huh. And, you know, that we don't oh, elect them because we've over the years um we've over the years decided to you know, to continue to use the the cheaper avenue that we have in place. Um, but we did, I think it was like six years ago, we actually had a guy that did get, that got, you know, like five or six write ins, um, got more than anybody else, and was going to be the tax collector. And this was even prior to the, the the recent qualification thing, has been something that's come up. Since that, so it was like four years ago they changed this thing where they had a requirement that people be qualified. And so when this guy put in, you know, he came in and started setting up shop and was going to rent an office and was going to get a computer, and he started realizing, you know, everything it was going to take to actually be the tax collector. And like literally three weeks, literally three weeks before it was time to send um, out the notices for collection, he just said, I'm not going to be the tax collector, I resign. And so then they had to scramble at that point. And that's actually... That was, you know, the the interesting thing about this was the number of people that, you know, when this happened, so I'm a libertarian, I was gifted the Republican ballot line, and I had a multitude of Democrats that were volunteering and helping with my campaign (laughs) because they didn't want to look bad. I mean, I literally had, like, the ones that were working the polls for me that day. Like, I had all the polls covered. We, we had them covered, you know, the, from the beginning till the end. I, I ran it like a real campaign, even though I was running not to take the position. Like, I, I got everybody lunch that was, the, that was working the polls. My mom came in and went and got us all Subway sandwiches. Um, but that was the thing. Like, and, and, and the biggest part of that was so the guy that when I was on borough council that I would have considered my adversary, the guy that we butted heads the most had one of my signs in his yard.
1: Man, that really and, says it all so, right there.
0: Right, when you have the right Wait. message, it brings people together.
1: And that is true. And you know, some of those offices where nobody is running, where we libertarians write ourselves in, typically they're local, like the right. election, election officials, the judge of elections, the inspector of elections. And we actually follow through on that though. We act, we right. help conduct the elections and everything. But you got a you got a different situation there. And did yeah. you did you know you are not the first libertarian tax collector?
0: No, I did not know
1: yeah, that. Yeah. I've been up at the party now for 20 uh, some 25, 20, 30 years. I don't know. You're long dating
3: ago. yourself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I have to ask my wife where I date anybody. <laughs> no, but uh, I guess it was in 1998. We had a libertarian tax collector in Lancaster County. I don't remember the specific municipality. Uh, John Erb was the guy's name. And it was the same thing. It was an open slot, and he wrote his name in, and he couldn't believe it. He won. <laughs> and he said, I'm going to serve. And uh, what he did is he tried to say, wait a minute, taxation is theft. I'm not going to send out these bills. I'm not going to right. do everything like that. Well, it, it took a judge probably about five minutes to say, not performing duties. We were stripping you of your office. We are fining you and go home. Hmm. Right. So you know, there's, there's some risk if depending on how you want to do it. And we also, right. we also had another guy who was elected, Julian Heichlin in State College, Center County. He, I think he holds the record, he won five different offices in one election. He wound up being on the borough council, tax collector, judge of elections, inspector of elections, and uh, auditor. So he had five different elections he won, and most of them were incompatible. And he turned down the, the one for tax collector, although that would have been funny. Still. Nice.
0: And, and, and that's the reality. That's the reality of local elections: is that if you get out there and you talk to people, um, you know, whether it's November and you just do a write-in because nobody else wants it, but I mean, local elections are winnable. I mean, if 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 you take yourself seriously and you you run an election the way you're supposed to, I mean, the, the lady I beat for my borough council meeting for my borough council seat now the mayor of Shippensburg. I mean, I'm the only person that's ever beat her in an election.
1: Uh huh. You know, so, there's something I want to ask you. You know, we are. Pennsylvania project we do political, cultural, and environmental. I had to slide in an environmental question. You sir are fortunate because Shippensburg lies, uh, I guess, a mere five miles west of one of Pennsylvania's jewels, the Appalachian Trail. Yeah. Have you ever been up
0: there? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Shippensburg I go Road goes right.
1: O- Shippensburg Road is right over the top there. Let yeah, me-
0: there's a really nice there's a really nice place to park. Macho um, State Forest is a, is a great. I mean, you can get lost up there. Actually, I, I did week. <laughs> I was I was no. walking the trail toward what they call Tom's River Shelter, um, and at some point I decided to. Yeah, you've been to Tom's River, um, so or Tom's Run. Tom's so, Run. And yeah. I, 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 yeah, I got off of the the trail and went to what they call the Michener Cabin.
1: I've been to um, Mitchner too. Yep, I haven't so been there. So I, I went though. there.
0: Well, then I tried to backtrack, like through like a, a cutout area. Over to a road I was supposed to be on that was going to take me back to where I needed to go. Uh And I took a wrong turn. And by the time I realized that I took the wrong turn, I was halfway down the mountain heading towards (laughs) Gettysburg.
1: There you go. Do you know, I just went with it. That Tom's Run shelter is new. There's an old one that was there. I guess they got rid of it in the early 90s, but the old one had a fireplace inside the lean to. It was cool and a half. And, and, And by the way, I got to challenge your statement it is impossible to get lost in the woods in Pennsylvania. uh, when I saw I mean anywhere really in the the United States because I saw what was that Blair Witch Project and they lost the map and everything all you need to do and they they did it they crossed a creek the minute you find a creek you're found follow the creek downstream eventually it's going to come to a road with a bridge over it and you just stand there until a car comes by you just keep going down you're going to (laughs) come to a river you're going to come to an ocean somewhere you can't get lost it's impossible to get lost in the United States yeah. Which
0: which which is no. I mean that proves that no. You're you're right though because whenever I did that, I ended up on the road two thirty three, and I yeah. was walking that for a while, and then somebody picked me up and gave me a little bit of a ride, and then I had to ro- walk back up the mountain to um, the parking spot that I was at. So uh-huh. I mean, I wasn't really <laughs> lost, but I just I, I took a wrong right. wrong turn and ended up making myself have a longer trip than I needed to. Hey, uh, just- any ladies
3: listening? Don't get lost in the woods, okay? Oh, <laughs> guys, guys can do it, and <laughs> professionals like Ken can do it, but. I hesitate to call Don't go out there by yourself.
1: <laughs> is it, anytime somebody says they're lost, it's like, wait a minute, you can't get lost. No. All right, let me let me pull it back to the the political because something okay. you you're also working there, and this is a very topical thing. You're working on reforming the police department. Yes. So um, what we, what does that we, mean? Uh, Reform is one of those relative words.
0: Well, so so Tuesday, so so last so last week, um, we had a Justice for George Floyd rally. And which uh, we we uh, the interesting thing about it was that so the borough has this permit thing for protest and they've never used it before. But when we started saying we were going to do this, and this is the it sort of pissed me off about. You don't need
1: a permit for a political protest. We don't
0: need a permit. There were a lot of things that pissed me off about this one i've spoken in front of 700 people in chambersburg and never had any police at the at the event And uh-huh. so we literally we had like four police show up to like a 250 person rally because we were asking for justice for george Ford. that's crazy um you know we just so, had our, so we, we, just right, just had
1: our we just had our multi-rally last weekend two weeks ago where we went to nine different jurisdictions and all nine police departments were more than polite to us which nobody asked for a permit in fact, our guest last week was uh, Captain John Gallagher of the Narberth Police Department, and he was the best of the lot. That's why we invited him on. They got no right to do that. You have every right to protest. Right. None of their right. business. We so, so, so don't need we, no so stinking permits.
0: Right, we, we followed it up Tuesday. Um, myself and some of the other people that had organized the, 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 the protest uh, went to Borough Council, and we requested, um, all of us requested two things. And one is body cameras, Yes. The other was trans, was transparent onboarding and training, um, and then myself, I requested a ten percent reduction um, in the police budget because I I personally believe that our department is larger than it should be, um, and that it, we it's gotten to the point where all of our property taxes that the borough collects go to the police department, and we actually balance our police budget by relying on local service clubs to give donations to the police department. Donations that they then can't, but so the donations that they give, then they can't be used for a community center that we don't have. They can't be used to help fund the library. They can't be used for Boys and Girls Club. So we we literally steal money to fund the police um, from other local, you know, initiatives that that in, in reality would actually do more, to make the community safer and to uh, you know yeah. make make people you know more healthy yeah. than yeah. a police a uh, police force that is you know per capita we have the number yeah. of officers that uh, Phoenix Arizona has. Wow,
1: that's mm. that's a lot. You know, you, you I'm sure you, you might have missed it, but I did a I have th- what I call the ten cop commandments for reforming the police, and I think I should probably replay that because I did that. Oh, this is before the whole George Floyd thing. This goes way back to last summer when the p- cops in East Pittsburgh were shooting teenagers in the back and stuff like that. Yeah. But, Stephen, you know, the time always goes quickly, and we are, like, way out of time. you got, you got, like, maybe 15 seconds left. Anything you want to throw in there? Let me open up the mic. Anything you want to tell yeah, the, world? Yeah, the,
0: the, the the biggest thing I would encourage anybody to do is get involved in your own community. Um, Amen. There's no point of driving halfway across the state um, to go to a libertarian meeting if your borough council members don't know who you are.
1: That's right. I agree. Excellent. Yeah. If it is to be, it is up to me, as I always like to say. Yeah. Well, that's going to have to wrap it up for the them portion of, of episode 64 of the Pennsylvania Project. My thanks once again to our oxymoronic guest, libertarian tax collector, Stephen Bernays. We're going to pause for this information, and when we return, I'll be ranting about something that really sticks in my craw, Email.
2: The following is a commercial announcement.
1: Hey David, how's it
2: going? Bad, Ken. Really bad. Why? What's the matter? Well, our friends at the Infernal Revenue Service paid me a personal visit the other day. The
1: Infernal Revenue Service?
2: Yep. Call them what they are. They sent these two big brutes to the house, scared us all half to death. I bet. What do they want? Money. Lots of it. Remember that part-time gig I took last summer? Oh yeah. You were raking in some big bucks. Yeah. And all those big bucks went straight into my personal bank account turns out the IRS doesn't like that. And I didn't file any of the right forms or pay nearly enough in taxes, so they want it all now, right now, plus penalties and interest. Ouch. Sounds like you should have called Amendment 16. It's the damn 16th Amendment that got me into this predicament in the first place, Ken.
1: No, no. Amendment 16, the invoicing service. They'll invoice your client for the hours and expenses you report to them, and when your client pays them, they pay you, minus all required state and federal taxes. It's that easy. One call does it all. And they'll even have an accountant do your personal taxes for you come April Fool's Day. I mean, come April 15th.
2: And they take care of all the taxes, all the forms? Yep. And they can pass along certain tax breaks, too. Man, I wish I knew about Amendment 16 sooner. Where can I find them? On the
1: web, of course, at Amendment16.com, with 16 spelled out. That's Amendment, S-I-X-T-E-E-N.com. One call does it all.
2: Have you heard the big news? The Pennsylvania Project is expanding dramatically. Each episode is now being broadcast multiple times a week on WWDB Talk Radio in Philadelphia, and the show has recently gone into syndication across Pennsylvania. Our success can be your success as well. A limited number of opportunities have recently become available where you can advertise affordably on The Pennsylvania Project. Not only will your message be heard throughout Pennsylvania's largest media market by far, All past episodes are always available for downloading at pennsylvaniaproject.com, at WWDB's (laughs) website, on iTunes, and from many other popular podcast providers. So here's your chance to become a permanent part of the first Liberty-oriented talk radio show on WWDB since the legendary Irv Homer hung up his headphones. Interested? Drop us a line at pennsylvaniaproject.com today.
1: Hey, Ken Krawchalk here, and welcome to the me portion of episode 64 of the Pennsylvania Project, where I get to rant a bit about something that really sticks in my craw. Today's topic, email. Yep, plain old email. It's been around for many a year. I remember sending my first one back in the mid-80s when I worked as a geek for General Electric Consulting. Quickmail, they called it back then, and then they later commercialized it as Genie, G-E-N-I-E, cute name. And despite the intervening decades, it has changed very, very little since then. Although upper management has stopped, finally, all that hunting and pecking that characterized management emailing back in the 80s. Despite all the near stenographic-like proficiency that most of us have accidentally achieved in these latter days, whether it's on a keyboard, on a smartphone, a flip phone, or whatever, it is an enduring fact that it takes far too long to write an email. Calling and leaving a voicemail is much faster and much less likely to be misunderstood. And that's probably one of the biggest things about email that really sticks in the craw, those misunderstandings. The fact is that most of us are not Pulitzer Prize winning writers. Just look at the confusion most people have when using their versus their versus their, T-H-E-I-R versus T-H-E-R-E versus Margaret Snoddenhead, T-H-E-Y apostrophe R-E. Seems that most people's writing skills haven't really gotten beyond the third grade yet. Regardless, it's pretty easy to misunderstand what someone meant in their emails, despite any misspellings. Now, of course, people have taken steps to help improve those things since the 80s, emojis being the most obvious thing. Even that now is starting to get out of hand. According to Emojipedia.org, and yes, there really is such a thing, as of March 2020, there are no fewer than 3,304 different emojis in the Unicode standard. 3,300! In comparison, according to wordcounter.io, the average American uses only about 20,000 words total. So if this emoji trend keeps trending upward, we'll soon be able to eliminate words entirely. Isn't that cool? The literary world of the future will either look like the face of an Egyptian sphinx or like a McDonald's cash register. Oh, brave new world, to quote Shakespeare. Well, content aside, there's a lot of other things about emails that really stick in the craw and probably the biggest is that reply all. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> David shaking his head, the dreaded reply all. How many careers have been cut short by that one little slip of the mouse? I'd call it a technological Darwin award if you ask me. It earned and deserved. Well, there are also those people who like to use email stationery. You know, things like those fancy lavender backgrounds with the purple lace around the edges usually with some obscenely calligraphic font that makes the text virtually illegible. And then they'll use a font color that has no contrast, making it impossible to discern against the background, or some horribly clashing color screen that brings on an automatic migraine. And the worst part is when you reply to one of those emails, you find yourself typing with that crazy font. Now Mark is shaking his head too. Everybody's with me on this one. But it's not just those plain old emails that stick in the craw. There are those email lists. That's just a euphemism for flame wars. I'm telling you. Strike while the ire is hot is the joke. And those flame wars always seem to become inevitable. In fact, way back in 1990, before email was in common use, Mike Godwin coined something that today we call Godwin's Law, which states, quote, As an online discussion grows longer... The probability of a comparison involving Nazis or Hitler approaches one. Unquote. And once such a comparison is made, whoever made that comparison automatically loses whatever debate is in progress. <laughs> Sounds fair to me. You know, it's funny, somebody recently tried to invoke Godwin's law against me. Why? I don't know. I had only mentioned a character from Pennsylvania Libertarian Party history. We call him He Who Shall Not Be Named. I never came close to mentioning either Hitler or Nazis, but still she claimed that it was a violation of Godwin's law. But I was thinking, since she tried to evoke Godwin's law against me for saying something that had nothing to do at all with Hitler's and Nazis, doesn't it mean that by her bringing up Godwin's law, that she's the one who first brought up Hitler, and therefore I win the debate? Sounds like it to me, Jen. Incidentally, and ironically, her negative email was railing against negative emails. (laughs) An autological example of itself. She's against nasty emails. Why write one? But I digress. Of course, a lot of people don't use email anymore. They've abandoned it in favor of Facebook. And Facebook does have one blessing or curse, depending on your point of view. The curse or blessing is that it's terrible in searching through its history That makes it easy for you to forget your past, or better yet, difficult for others to remind you of it. Old conversations just seem to die out and vanish, never to be seen again. That's not the case with email. In fact, you know, I have virtually every single email going all the way back to 1997 when I first ventured online. That makes it easy for me to dredge up all those old contradictions in your arguments. You gotta be ready. You know, conspiracy lovers like our insurrectionist cohort tend to look at me aghast when I tell them that. What if the FBI got their hands on that? They warned me. Oh, come on. I'm a realist. I bet the FBI already has my emails. Didn't you ever hear of Edward Snowden? At least I act like they have it all. I never email about anything that could ever get me in trouble with the, with the man. I learned that a long time ago from Richard Nixon and his Watergate tapes. Whenever I need to discuss insurrection, I always do it in person and in a crowded, noisy bar. But I digress. No rant about each mail would ever be considered complete without mentioning that Hitler of emails, that very Hitler, the Hitler of emails, spam. I could talk about spam all day. But in this day and age of spam blockers, it's become pretty much a dead issue. Yeah, every now and again, I look at my spam folder to see if something important got through, and it's rare that that ever happens anymore. You know, it's actually my own fault that I get so much spam, because I counted recently, and I have exactly 33 different email addresses. Some are personal, some political, some related to forums, some I create just for fun. 33 opportunities for spammers to spam me, so I guess I got no room to complain about it. But there is one thing about spam that still bothers me, and that's getting spam from people I know. Now granted, it's not actually from them per se. Maybe their machine got infected, maybe the spammer just scraped their name somewhere off some email list or whatever, it doesn't matter. All I know is it didn't really come from them. It came from some spammer. The text on these is usually short and sweet. It usually says, check this out, with some obscure link afterwards. and Yeah, yeah, sure, I'll check that out. <laughs> not. <laughs> but you know, there are some troubling aspects to that sort of spam because, you see, I've been getting it from dead people. Occasionally, I get Spam from beyond the grave. I get it from my late brother, John, my cousin, Kathy, my tequila-swigging cousin, Doreen, and several other loved ones. But, you know, it's actually kind of nice to hear from them, even though it's not really them. It's nice really just because it brings them to mind. Maybe makes you want to take a swig of tequila or something like that. So some Spam has its place, at least it does for me. But whether you love it or hate it, Whether you love the flame wars or hate the flame wars, whether you're an emoji fan or a future Pulitzer winner, whether you use email or ignore it completely, there's one fact that stands out tall. George Jetson never warned us that the 21st century would look like this. On that future history note, that's going to wrap it up for episode 64 of the Pennsylvania Project. What do you think about email, about our oxymoronic libertarian tax collector, or reparations or emojis or anything somewhat Pennsylvania related? We have something to say, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at PennsylvaniaProject.com, right after you sign our petition, that is. And you can hear us there too, as well as on iTunes and a plethora of other popular podcast providers. Today's episode is courtesy of Amendment 16 Limited, recorded live at the studios of WWDB Radio, broadcasting in Philadelphia at 860 on the AM dial every Saturday at 10 AM, every Monday at 4 PM, and other times. And in Kutztown on KUR radio at 1670 on the AM dial every Monday morning at 7 a.m. Every episode is also released as a podcast every Tuesday at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Our webmaster, Stephen Worley, marketing guru, Connor Dragotis, featured Toastmaster narrator, David Ziza, featured Zeza, my apologies. <laughs> featured Toastmaster cohort, Margaret Sasuni, Goodbye, Margaret. Official bartender, Brooke Smith, keyboard wizard Joe the Pag, radio producer Brett Kronberger, executive producer, Mark Bizzacco, and me, your caster, Ken Krawchuk. Thanks for joining us. And remember, more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem.